following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Our reading this morning is from Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 21 to 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. When he blows upon them and they wither, and the tempest carries them off, off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name, because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. It's my great pleasure to uh, welcome back to Artisan Church today's guest preacher, Barb Eisman Bushart. Uh, Barb is co-pastor of day-to-day ministry and congregational life at Community of the Savior, uh, just down the road from us here uh, in Rochester. Barb, Barb has served as part of the pastoral team at COS since 2011, when she was ordained an elder in the Free Methodist Church USA. She has also served the greater Rochester community as a professional social worker, disability rights activist, and educator in community and human services, both at Roberts Wesleyan and at SUNY Empire State. And she brings these passions to the local church ministries and to community advocacy. Barb is also a wonderful, warm human being who has a deep abiding love for all people and uh, is a wonderful preacher as well. So would you join me in welcoming Barb back to Rochester or to Artisan? The one thing that Scott didn't say that I said that I would announce myself when I, when I uh, started here is that I'm a late deafened adult, which means that I grew up hearing and actually was very into music until I started losing my hearing right after I graduated from college. And in the next few subsequent years from that, I went entirely deaf. I have cochlear implants now, but I still depend on lip reading for part of what I get. So if you ask me a question, if you're right in front of me, there is a very good chance that I will get it. If you speak to the side or from behind, there is a 100% chance that I will not. So, <laughs> so sometimes I tell people that because like, 
She wasn't very friendly, like I said, hi, you know, and she didn't respond. Beware of, uh, of my hearing as part of that. Have you ever gone to another room for something only to, when you get there, pause a moment and think, what did I come in here for? <laughs> you wonder what the purpose of your trip was. And if you haven't done that, you will more and more in the future. But it's interesting to me, and also an encouragement, that they have found that it is not just age-related. It increases with age, but it isn't just age-related. It is a memory issue. Scientists have recently studied about this issue and why it happens. And the brain registers location differently when we cross a threshold or a doorway. It is part of that evolutionary process of survival so that when you come into a new place, you're looking around, what is my surrounding here? And what do I need to do here? What do I need to know here for my own safety? And that information that you're taking in actually dominates in your brain, and you don't remember the reason why you were there. So it is not because I'm old and I'm so relieved about that. It is actually something that they have been studying and found out that this is the case. This has a lot of implications because the place where you thought of the idea, where you originally were sitting and thought, I'd like to go into the kitchen for a glass of milk or whatever, the place where you originally thought of the idea is key to the idea and the memory of it, okay? So education, the place where you learn something is where you're going to remember it easiest. Also, on the opposite side, post-traumatic stress disorder, any kind of trauma is set off by situations that remind you of the place that that occurred in your life. So there's lots of implications for that. But I hope today to talk about a spiritual implication for that as well. This is called the doorway effect or the threshold effect. And it is pertinent in this Isaiah passage because what was occurring with God's people there in Isaiah really was about trying to remember location and being in a different location where that memory was somehow challenged. Isaiah is perhaps one of the hardest books in the Bible for me to understand. And if you have tried to study it, I'm guessing it is probably one of the hardest for you too. Because there are all these questions and not even the commentators or experts agree on it. Was there one writer, two writers, three writers? Was this over a span of this long or was this a longer span? They disagree on a lot of these types of things. And because they don't come to a neat consensus, and I do not presume to have the answers that they don't have, I'm only going to stick to what I know. And actually, that is a pretty good thing for pastors to do and preachers to do, okay? Just remember that. It seems reasonable that a preacher should only speak to what they themselves can grasp, okay? So one of the difficulties of Isaiah and other prophets is to some extent what they call the mountain peak view. And what that means is if you stand and you're looking out at a, a range of mountains, you see the peaks, but you don't see the valleys in between. 
and you don't know the distance from one peak to the next unless you were actually down there walking that peak. So when Isaiah looks out into the future and tells us these, these visions from God and the things that God has planned for them, you don't know how long of a time gap there is between this vision and the next, or this part of the vision and the next part of that. So hold that, that thought in mind. The people had been in exile for approximately 60 years at the time of this particular prophecy. And that's what the experts say, and I'm, I'm just going with that. They had been captured, and their relocation um, was there. They were unwilling to go because they um, had not followed God or obeyed God. God said, you will go into captivity. They had refused to hear God's messages and the prophets, and they chose their own way. So that's the reason they're there. But here, right now, 60 years after the captivity has started, the prophet speaks a word of hope and new possibilities to them. As you might imagine, after 60 years of being ruled by foreign powers and uprooted from their religious and political systems that they know, their centers of identity, they're adrift in every sense, psychologically and spiritually, emotionally and physically, away from the center of their identity as God's chosen people. 60 years is a long time. I'm 64. I know it's a very long time, okay? Many of them had actually died in captivity, and the ones that were born there had no memory of Jerusalem and what this hope was to go back to a homeland because it's not a homeland that has existed for them in reality. They've only heard about it. They've heard stories about it, but they've never known it. And it's kind of hard to be homesick for a place without memories that you can't identify with yourself. And with home forgotten, the God that they had worshipped there was also forgotten too. This threshold effect, we're here. Why are we here? How did we get here? What is our purpose here? Was all part of their experience. They were a people that were living that doorway or threshold effect. They had forgotten that there was their own refusal to obey God that had driven them there into the situation. And they had forgotten who God was. They actually had forgotten if there actually even was a God. So here they are. They believed they were just victims of the political and military powers of their time. But there was change in the wind, and Isaiah is trying to get them to see this change. Cyrus, from the Persian Empire, had defeated the Babylonians, and Cyrus had a unique way of dealing with exiles, with these people that were there. So the Babylonians had thought, relocate them, and they forget who they are, and it's easier to control them. But Cyrus thought, no allow them to go to their own locales. And when they're in their own locales, they will be easier to control because they'll be grateful for that. So Cyrus was going to allow them to return home even though they're still in exile, right? They're still 
under the Persian Empire now. But return to what? A forgotten home, a forgotten God. They had not kept God at the center, and now they felt they had no one to trust. They had forgotten who's, who they were, but they had also forgotten, more importantly, whose they were. Forgetfulness of this kind has two major components that might present. Either a displaced or misplaced trust in people or systems that cannot adequately fill that void, or on the other side, hopelessness, giving up on every possibility and just becoming cynical about life. And Israel, or Isaiah, was speaking to the Israelites, a people divided in this regard. Some of them thought that this situation was better and the future more secure if they just put all their chips, all their energies and hopes onto Cyrus and did whatever Cyrus demanded of them. Because Cyrus seemed like a more benevolent leader than the Babylonians and was for sure, so they did have a degree of freedom, so why not just capitalize on that? They could work. In fact, work was encouraged. And they could live right where they were and where they knew. <clears throat> Things could be worse, they thought. They had seen worse before, and they'd lived through it. So why return? Return to what? Others were cynical that anything would be better. A feeling of hopelessness pervaded their thinking and their subsequent actions. Is there any hope? Is there any place out there for us that can be better than this? And they couldn't even muster the energy to return or even dream about returning to a place that they had forgotten and a God that they had forgotten. Now, in our times, just as then, when people know of no center in their lives, no hope in God or identity and purpose rooted in God, they and all of us have the same responses. Either put your trust in human systems or live in hopelessness. And neither of those are satisfactory. Some then and now find their sense of security in money, economic system, in their work or vocation, in politics. And I should say, we're asked to participate in these things, and it's a hard thing to find that balance because we're asked to, to work. We're asked to use our gifts for God and for community. We're asked to take care of ourselves and our families and to give generously to the church, even, even if you text it. Um, you're, <laughs> you're, you're asked to, to support these things, so you're asked to work. You're also asked to consider the political systems around you and to vote as your conscience would tell you to vote. You're participating in these systems, but none of the systems can be your center. And that's where forgetfulness comes in, when you give up on God and make one of these things your center. If you think that in November, a particular candidate that wins the presidential election is going to be the answer to America, then you've put something in the center that is not supposed to be in the center. 
that place is made for God. It doesn't mean that we aren't part of the political process. It doesn't mean that we aren't part of the economy. It doesn't mean any of those things. It just means where is God's rightful place. And don't forget to put God in the center. Don't put all of your um, energies into these other things that don't satisfy. At the other side, those people that are not putting all of their hopes on a political system or economy or savings in the bank or whatever it is for you, at the other side, there are many who've just become cynical and hopeless. Nothing will ever get better. We're stuck here. Nothing can help. And those people, maybe some of us, dull ourselves against the pain with alcohol, drugs, with unhealthy relationship, with scrolling through the phone endlessly. This is truly mine. With gambling, whatever it is that takes your thoughts away from the emptiness and just makes you forget. Because they're looking at forgetfulness as a gift. Forget this. And if you get to a point far enough down that road, then the hopelessness, hopelessness eats away at you until sometimes you take your own life. We live in a time where suicide is rampant. My daughter is, uh, one of my daughters is a 911 dispatcher. And every single shift that she works, she deals with many who have attempted suicide or intended or unintentional drug overdose calls. We live in an age where hopelessness is rampant. We look at Washington and the gridlock there and think, it'll never get better. Why bother? Why, why trust in anything? But whenever we've forgotten, when we've crossed that threshold and made some place else that is disorienting the center of our lives, then we will become disoriented by that as well. So Isaiah speaks to the people, and he speaks to us. His first message is, have you not known? Have you not heard that God is the Lord? Our God is the creator. Our God has not forgotten us. First, he says, don't trust in yourselves. People are like grasshoppers before the Almighty, so small and so powerless. And don't put your trust in political people or parties. A message for our time. He says in verse 23, God brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Look at the fragility of our situation. We, who are here one moment, are blown away by the winds of time the next. Don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in the powers around you. Put your trust in God. Look to the incomparable God on high. Look at the heavens and the stars, the planets, the universe that God has created. Trust in his power and might because he's shown that to you in creation. How could they or we say that God has not seen us or cared for us? God does not forget like humans tend to forget. 
I love uh, later Isaiah, one of the Isaiahs maybe, I don't know. Later in, in uh, chapter 49, verse 15 says, can a mother forget her nursing child or have no compassion for the child of her womb? Even if sometimes these may forget, yet I will never forget you. Again, Isaiah repeats this question, these questions to us. Have you not known? Have you not heard this? Have you not understood this? That God has not forgotten. God does not forget like we forget. And so there's an urgent call. Don't forget to put God at the center. The God who's not forgotten us needs to be remembered by us. And then there's this beautiful ending of the passage. He does not grow faint or weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. I don't know how many of you have been to Houghton University. I know some of you have because I see people from my era of Houghton University here. But at Houghton, there's a statue with six eagles. And that verse is written, those two verses are written at the bottom of that statue. Eagles flying. The story behind that is one to be remembered. And in my family, it's hard to, to forget because there were six students in the fall of 1981 who were on their way to Buffalo to get their homecoming outfits for the homecoming parade. It was the senior court, and the class had voted, these are the people we want to put forward for um, you know, homecoming king and queen. One of these couples would be the homecoming king and queen. On the way to Buffalo, it was a, let me tell you, it was a foggy, rainy day. And when you come to East Aurora, it has been changed now, so it's a normal corner. But at that time, it was a very oblique corner. So you came up to it, and you had to actually twist and turn behind you to see. And it was a foggy, foggy morning. And a tractor trailer hit the car as they pulled out from that corner. And the entire homecoming court was killed instantly. Um, what would have been my brother-in-law, who was one of my very best friends, was one of the ones that was killed in that. It was such a hard thing for that community to understand why these six young people would be taken. And they were the, the people that were leaders in their classes and in the college. They were the singers, the sports people. They were people that were just on fire for God, even at a very young age. I love that statue there, though. But more importantly, I love what Houghton University does. Every year, the freshman class is gathered around the statue and is told the story of what happened and how the influence of those young lives lost are still affecting lives today. And they're encouraged then to be a testimony for God in their time and place and to live out the story that they inherited. And that was what happened, what didn't happen in the Isaiah passage. 
the story wasn't continued in a way that the next generation heard it and understood it and lived the memory. That's, that's the amazing thing about God's word, is we actually can live a memory that we've never experienced firsthand by making the story come alive for others. I was uh, reminded of this again because a friend of mine who uh, I sang with at Houghton in a singing group, he takes scripture and puts it to song so that it's easier to remember. And I was thinking about him all week because this passage is one that he's done that for. And I just in my mind was like, hmm, <laughs> humming it, singing it. And then I went to bed last night, and when I woke up this morning, there was a message from this friend from 45 years ago. And he sent me um, a digitalized tape of Alan, what would have been my brother-in-law, and I singing together in Houghton Chapel. And the coincidences that we call coincidences are not coincidences in God's mind. I just, I lived that again. The memory of Alan, the memory of being at Houghton, the memory of singing that, the memory of friendship. We can keep it alive, folks, okay? Those who remember God's promises, those who refuse to forget God's goodness and redemptive plan for our lives, those are the people that keep the story alive for themselves and for the next generation and for those who are hopeless or putting their trust in other things. Those who wait in hope, wait in action as well, as they carry those remembrances of God's activity in the world to others. Those who serve God by caring for others are keeping that memory alive. This isn't where it ends. It doesn't end with a political party. It doesn't end with how much you have in the bank. It doesn't end with any of the ways that you in this life create an identity for yourself. It ends with God's vision that will come again. God's peace, God's reign, God's redemptive work over all creation. There are those who remember and whose very lives become a reminder of God's goodness and power to others. And I pray that that would be each of us. So this morning, as I quit speaking, <laughs> and the service wraps up, you'll walk through a doorway. You'll walk through a threshold. But you aren't to forget what you heard here. You aren't to forget God's promises. They're to go with you through that threshold into a hurting world and people that are looking for that. People that don't know the story, but need to be told, this is who we are. This is our memory. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. Do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of 
the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.